Christian. I thank them for their hospitality uh, in being with you all all this week. I've, I, like I said, I've had a wonderful time ministering to you. I can't tell you how grateful I am to see you come out. I know these nights have been cold. I know that, uh, you know, if you listen to the news, it sounds like the world's coming to an end in San Antonio. But uh, Jesus is still on the throne. Can you say amen? And that's why uh, we gather. It doesn't matter what the weather might be like uh, uh, in the house of God. Amen. As we know where we need to be. And God has faithfully met with us. And so uh, tonight, if you're here for the first time, we welcome you. We're so thankful that you're with us. Uh, and uh, tonight, I want to minister. You know, I was going back and forth. Uh, there's always that one sermon where... Or that one service where you're trying to figure out what am I supposed to preach on. And tonight, uh, I, I do feel like I have the mind of God. But i got to be honest with you, I wrestled a little bit with what to preach. Um, you know, we had such a wonderful service last night. You could feel God's uh, second wind breathing upon His church. And I, I, I almost wanted to continue in that vein. I was going to preach a sermon on entering the blessing of multiplication, talking about Abraham, but just felt stirred by the Holy Ghost to kind of go in another direction. And really this, this sermon is to help you for many months and years to come. That it's not just for this service tonight. This is for your future, your family's future, your church's future. And, you know, this is, you know, really this is why we gather together. This is why we're having revival. And so tonight, I want you to turn me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll look together there in the Word of God. How many of you know by now that we're a, we're a pretty busy fellowship? We're busy. It's, it's not like we just meet Sunday morning and then that's it. Or Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and that's it. We meet Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If we have revivals, it's usually a five-service revival. Then if there's an invasion team, as you all are going to be going to Corpus, we get on that. We will uh, have Bible studies. We'll have concert scenes. We will uh, uh, have all these things, even right down to our weddings. All of these, beloved, revolve around one reason. We want to see people get saved. Right down to our weddings. We invite people to come to a wedding and they're going to hear a gospel message. They're going to hear the preaching of the gospel because we want to see people get saved. Can we be honest tonight? We want our church to get big. I'll be honest with you, man. When my wife and I first went out in 1994, I was not interested in just being a religious preacher. I wanted to see revival. And I know that tonight you have been in this congregation for many years laboring in the things of God. You must have a vision for souls because you're willing to go all the way down to Corpus and eat a gourmet meal at Boat Net. you got to be saved. But we want to see other people get saved. Now there is a tremendous testimony in the Bible and that is of a woman, we don't get her name but she's known as the Samaritan woman. She meets Jesus by the well. Jesus witnesses to her. She gets gloriously saved. And the Bible says in John 4, 39, that many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Jesus because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all 
that I ever did. This woman was immoral. She had a bad past. But because of the change in her life, listen, because of the change in her life, everybody in that city came out to see what happened to her. Who was it that she spoke to? Who is this man, Jesus? And she, listen to me. They all came, beloved, to see Jesus because they found this woman spiritually attractive. There was something about her that drew them to come and see this man, Jesus. The old preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones, asked a profound question. Martin Lloyd-Jones asked this question. He says, are we attractive Christians? Do we give the impression that the most marvelous thing in the world is to be a Christian and have the Spirit of God within us? Because, beloved, this is what we're all called to. I have pioneered churches. I have taken over churches. I have pioneered and seen incredible revival. And I have pioneered and just seen struggling works for God. One day I was on the phone with my pastor and I'm talking to him on the phone and I'm asking, why is it that we can't seem to see a breakthrough? And he said something that I'll never forget because we were getting real. How many know it's good to get real? And he said this to me. He said, one of the reasons that some repel souls instead of winning them is that there's nothing attractive about them. Let me say that again. One of the reasons that some repel souls instead of winning them is that there's nothing attractive about them. You see, beloved, tonight, a Christian is more than someone who just goes to church and is quitting some nasty old habits. Every one of us is called to win another to Jesus. And if we're going to do that, there's going to have to be something at work in us first. Listen, thank God for concerts. Thank God for Bible studies. Thank God for invasion teams. But I'm going to tell you, I've been around a long time, and I've never seen something make more impact, and that is one-on-one -on -one witnessing. One-on-one -on -one people testifying every day, everywhere that they are, everywhere that they go. And people coming to church, listen, not because of where the church is located at, not because of the song service that's being played, but it's because there's something attractive about the one that invited them. I want to preach a sermon tonight that I want to encourage you because, listen to me, everybody here, you can do what is going to be preached on tonight. I'm not talking about somebody that you have to be an extrovert. Listen, you can be very shy and still be attractive for Jesus Christ. You don't have to be this loud extroverted kind of person you don't even have to be super spiritual you can be shy and quiet and yet still bring somebody to jesus christ i want to preach to you about winning another soul to jesus and i want to look at what paul says in first corinthians chapter 9 verses 19 through 23 you follow along beloved as i read aloud and listen to these powerful words here's paul and he says for though i'm free from all men I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became a Jew uh, as a Jew that I might win the Jews to those who are under the law as under the law that I might win those who are under the law to those who are without law as without law 
not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. In verse 23, now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker of it uh, with you. Let's pray, church, and ask for God to help us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this glorious time in revival. Father, I thank you for the years that this church has been laboring in the city and the precious souls that are here tonight as a result of seeds that have been sown. But, oh, almighty God, we know we've barely scratched the surface. Uh, we want to see this uh, building filled to capacity, Father God, with precious souls for Jesus Christ. Help us to be... Be attractive Christians, God, to a lost and dying world. Give us instruction and wisdom tonight. I ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Now, we're going to examine the Bible tonight, church. Because, listen to me, we all agree we want to see our church grow. We all agree we want to see more people come in. How many here want to see every chair, every chair filled? You want to see this building filled to capacity. Well, you're going to have to go to the Word of God and see what is the strategy. I'll never forget a preacher preaching one time, and he said to us that the Bible is a manual for how to win the world. It's a manual. If you follow the manual, you will see the results that they saw. Now, in verse 19, look at me. Look at, Don't look at me. Look, look at the Word of God. And in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 9 verse 19, Paul says these words, For though I'm free from all men, I, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. Verse 23. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Now to get a clear understanding, I want to read it to you out of the Living Bible's translation. I have freely and happily become a servant to any and all so that I can win them to Christ. I do this to get the gospel to them and also for the blessing I myself receive when I see them come to Jesus. That here, beloved, is the bottom line for Paul in any and every relationship. He says, this is why I meet people. This is why I befriend people. This is why I'm always open to building new relationships and making new friends. It is because ultimately I see this person as a lost soul and I want to see them get saved. See, Paul viewed every person, beloved, as someone who was lost in sin. He viewed every single person as a precious soul wounded by the world, wounded by sin, and he knew they would end up in hell unless, of course, he could win them to Jesus. But Paul knew, before I can win them to Jesus, I've got to win them to me. Let me say that again. Before I can win them to Jesus, i got to win them to me. In verse 19, let me read it again, but this time out of the message translation. The message translation says, even though I'm free from the demands and expectation of people, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. That beloved, listen, Paul served people. He didn't live for people. 
He wasn't trying to make everybody like him, but Paul understood something, and that is that if I'm going to win them, I've got to serve them. This doesn't mean that he washed their cars or cut their yard. But listen to me, church, what it does mean is that Paul humbled himself. He was flexible. He was willing to do his best to find some kind of common ground with somebody so that ultimately he could witness to them about Jesus Christ. Paul knew if I'm going to win them to Jesus, I've got to win them to myself. I've got to gain them first. Think about it, folks. Wasn't this the same position that the Lord Jesus took when he came to earth? Listen to me, folks. When Jesus came to earth, he could have easily found acceptance in the religious world. He could have easily found acceptance with the super spiritual. There were plenty of Pharisees and Sadducees of that time who loved talking about the law. They loved talking about Moses. They loved talking about God. Who did Jesus go to? Who did he hang with? Who was he always around? He was with sinners and tax collectors. Because Jesus' ultimate aim for these people was spiritual healing. He humbled himself. He allowed himself to be beaten, to be spat upon, to be crucified because he knew that when the Son of Man is lifted up, I'm going to draw all men to me. The old song says the master of the earth became a servant to the world. We sing that song sometimes. I don't know why Jesus loved me. I don't know why he cared. But I'm so glad he did. And in that song it says he left his mighty throne in glory to bring us redemption's story. Listen to Philippians 2 verses 5 through 7. Here is Paul again and he's counseling us in Philippians 2 5 through 7. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Or in other words let this attitude be in you the way it was in Jesus who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness uh, of men. You know something, folks? Let me tell you something about this church. And I said it the other night. We're not trying to be an all-Mexican church. We're not trying to be an all-black fellowship. No white fellowship. We are trying to reach a wide range of people. And San Antonio is getting bigger and bigger by the year. And I'm telling you, there's a wider, greater range of people now than there ever has been. And you're living among them. And if you're going to win them to Jesus, you're going to have to win them to yourself. See, I'm going to be honest with you, and that is one of the main reasons that some Christians have a tough time winning people to Jesus is because they can't win anybody to themselves. Some Christians are unfriendly. Some Christians are always mad. They're always, they know how to say amen. Glory to God, and they can tell you where to find the church. But in the everyday flow of life, they're always mad or sad. Never say hi to anybody. Or they isolate themselves because I'm saved. 
and I don't hang with the heathen. And you forget where you came from. You know the night that my wife and I met our pastor? You know the night that we met him? He, he didn't preach to us. He didn't talk Bible. He didn't, he didn't come in with his big Bible. Let's turn to the book of Romans. He didn't bring out his, you know, Bible studies. You know what he was to us? He was just a friend. He was a friend. We ate. We played games. And I'll be honest with you, folks. In those early days, the reason a lot of people went to our church was because they honestly were having a good time. They really were. You know, how many have ever met those Christians that say, well, don't look at me, brother. Look at the Lord. Well, I can't see the Lord, but I can see you. And Pastor Mitchell has said it over and over and over again. Every generation has the right to see Jesus in the flesh. You see, folks, as one evangelist put it, you and I are the only Bible most people will ever read. And the only reference point they have of Jesus is who we are. Now, I'm not saying this to condemn you. I know we're not perfect. I know we have flaws. And I'm not preaching something that's way up here and you've got to be spiritual to attain this. I, I just want to preach on some basic stuff you can do to draw people. To just draw them. And if I could just put it in one word, I just want to talk about being nice. Is that okay? Just be nice. So let's look at the three kinds of people that Paul had to reach or he wanted to reach. Because the passage here, beloved, doesn't just give a strategy, but he says there's, there's these kinds of people I'm trying to win. And listen, the first type of people that you and I are trying to draw into our church are the religious. Listen to me. Look at verse 20. He says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law that I might win those who are under the law. What's he saying? Remember, he says, I want to win these folks. So let's read it out of the Living Bible's translation. The Living Bible says it like this. When I'm with the Jews, I seem as one of them so that they will listen to the gospel and I can win them to Jesus. When I'm with the Gentiles who follow Jewish customs and ceremonies, I don't argue even though I don't agree because I want to help them. Now, folks, you will hear it preached, and I fully understand that we don't build our churches on religious people. I've heard Pastor Mitchell say this. I've heard my own pastor say, you don't, we don't build our churches on religious people, and we don't go take people out of other churches. Right? And this is very, very true. But, folks, come on. How many here went to another church before you came to this church? Lift your hand. Come on, honestly. Look at that. Look at all those hands up. You weren't this vile, rotten, heathen living in a cave down, you know, Culebra. And somebody came to you, you ever heard about Jesus? Jesus? Who? 
You'd been to church. You, you heard about God before. Right? Some of us, man, were hardcore Catholics. Amen. Do you know that the man preaching to you at one time was a Southern Baptist? My wife was raised Southern Baptist. Baptists don't speak in tongues. Do you know that? And when we met our pastor that night, he knew that we were religious. Folks, we, my first two years of Christianity was all TBN. It was. That's all I knew. I watched Paul and Jan Crouch. I thought, man, I want to be just like Carmen. I can do that, man. That was my goal. And when Pastor Moreno came in and accounted for, we put some weird stuff on him. We would tell him these strange ideas that we got off TBN about how to win the world and read this book by Benny Hinn and do this and do that and let's anoint everything with oil. And my pastor, he never once slammed us. Never once took cheap shots. He just said, you know, I agree. I'm not going to do it. But I agree. He, he, he just wanted to win us to Christ. I'll never forget. My wife used to work for a, a little makeup company called Merrill Norman. And she, as she's working there, she worked with this, this uh, older woman who would come in. And this woman took a liking to her. And I met her. And so she was like, she was like a little nana. She was like a little grandma. And so she, she invited us to her house. And I mean, folks, you know, she invited us for dinner. And I remember we parked the car. And I'm not kidding, man. I could smell it from the driveway. Dude, I mean, I could, and when you walk into the house, as you're getting closer, you can smell the enchiladas, man. You can smell the beans. You can smell the, the guacamole. You can, you, can, you can just, you know this is going to be a good meal. And, man, I'm, I mean, I'm salivating, man. My, my stomach's growling. I haven't even knocked on the door. We get there, we knock on the door, and she's like, I'm so glad you made it. Come in, and she opens the door, man. Boom, a big old virgin right there on the wall. Big old virgin, man, you turned over here, it's the bleeding heart of Jesus. Over here, man, it's the Lord's, the Last Supper, man. I mean, Catholic crosses everywhere. Say, Brother Gabriel, what'd you do? I said, let's eat. I mean, man, I had one of the best, we had one of the best meals we ever had. But, man, I know some Christians, they would have been like, oh, oh, there's idols. Oh, you need to take those down. We need to cleanse the house. There's spirits. I can't eat like that. You need to come to church and be saved. You're not going to win anybody like that, man. You got to work with them. Listen, folks, we're not built on religious people. We don't build on them. But you're going to have some people come to church here sometimes, and they're going to have a religious background. Let me ask you something. What do you do when you find out somebody's a Jehovah's Witness? What do you do? Do you start getting into an instant debate? With, you know, there's going to be more than 144,000 in heaven. What do you do with Mormons, man? What do you do with Mormons? You slam them because they write 10 speeds? You know, 
And folks, I know, I know that's stupid. I know that. We don't practice that. But listen to me, you can go so much further by just being nice to them and saying, why don't you come to church and find out what we're all about? Because Paul says, I don't agree with the Jews, but you know what? I, I, I'm trying to help them. I want them to give me an open door. And you know some folks, let me tell you something about people. When you're nice to them, they're much more open to listening to what you've got to say because they see a change in your life. Now, the second type of people is the other extreme that Paul says I'm trying to reach, and that is sinners. Look at verse 21. To those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. Now, I know that sounds a little bit confusing, and it sounds like he's all over the map here. So, again, let me read out of the Living Bible's translation. With the heathen... I agree with them as much as I can, except, of course, I must always do what is right as a Christian. And so by agreeing, I can win their confidence and help them too. Think about this. Because obviously, Paul wasn't talking about sinning with sinners to win them. Listen, folks, you're, you're not going to win a sinner because you sit down and have a beer. I'm real, man. And I see nothing wrong with having a beer with somebody else because I'm trying to win them to Jesus. Let me, let me tell you what that person's thinking. That sinner is thinking, you're a hypocrite. Because I'll tell you something about sinners. They may be sinners, but they're not stupid. And they know the real McCoy. Amen. See, that's why Christians who compromise with sinners, you're not winning them. You're, you're repelling them. Oh, they may laugh with you. You may laugh with them. They may call you friend, but they don't believe what you believe because you don't even have enough conviction yourself to not be sinning with me. So what is Paul talking about here then? Well, again, he's simply saying, you know what? You don't got to be mean with sinners. People know they're messed up. They know they're wrong, folks. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people, the reason they don't come to church is not because the church is full of hypocrites. No, the reason they don't come to church is because they don't feel like they belong there. And you can show them, yes, you do, because I do. And it's part of everyday life. You know, at work, folks, I work with some of the most wonderful people God ever put on planet Earth, man. I really do. I love these people. I love my boss. I love my coworkers. But man, you know what? They're sinners. But I love them. And every day I go in there, I try to be the best Christian that I can be. And it's, when it, you know, sometimes they ask me questions about God. Sometimes they ask me questions about the Bible. But sometimes, man, they just want to talk sports. They want to talk politics. They want to talk everything under the sun. What am I going to say? I'm not of this world. <laughs> just as my Lord was not of this world. No, man, I, I, I talk with them. I laugh with them. I got to be careful, man, because sometimes they say and do things that crack me up. And I'm like, I gotta, I'm getting carnal here, man. I got to be careful. You ever seen sinners do or say something and you're like, you're like, I start losing it. But you know something? Whenever they, I had, I had a man come to me. I had a man come to me recently. This guy, he calls me Messiah. He calls me Messiah when he sees, hey, there's the Messiah. But he, the other day he caught me, man, and he's having family trouble. And he says, 
I'm coming to you because I know you pray. Would you pray for my wife and me? I had another man. I had another man who, uh, you know, did, you know, they say things, but, but when they're going right down to it and they need God, who do you think they're going to go to? They go to the one who knows God. Amen. He told me, pray for me, man, because they took my kids away and I have to go through some drug tests and, you know, on and on. And I just, I know you pray. Listen, folks, you know what I love about Paul? He wasn't surprised when sinners sinned. Amen. Well, why does it freak you out that sinners cuss? <laughs> you did it all the time. It was your second language. Some of you, it was English, Spanish, and cussing. <laughs> now we hear sinners cuss. I don't say that. You know, it's amazing. Some Christians, sinners sin and they get all freaked out. Oh, my God. And another Christian sins. Let's not judge where did you get that from? Where in the world did you ever get that? You know, when you read the Bible, the Bible says you're supposed to judge a Christian who calls himself a brother who's messing up. But when it comes to a sinner, hey, they're ignorant. They don't know what they're doing. You ought to take a little time. Time's running out on me. But, you know, when Paul's writing about sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians 5, he says, I told you not to be hanging out with sexually immoral people, but I didn't mean the people of the world. Otherwise, you have to go into seclusion. Now, I'm giving you the Gabriel Alonso version. Okay, this is just my, but, but you can read it in 1 Corinthians 5. He says, when I told you to not hang out with sexually immoral people, I didn't mean the people of the world. I'm talking about the guy who calls himself a brother. And not just the immoral, but those who steal, those who, those who uh, are drunkards, extortioners, idolaters, and revilers. If they call themselves a brother, you, you ought not be hanging with them. But sinners, you got to try and win them. Amen. Let me talk to you thirdly about the third type of people we're trying to win in this church. And that is the weak. Verse 22, to the weak, I became as weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Once again, the Living Bible translation. When I'm with those whose conscience bother them easily, I don't act as though I know it all and don't say that they're foolish. The result is they're willing to let me help them. Folks, I want to tell you something about the church and a lot of the churches in our fellowship. Our churches are filled with weak people, strange people. Some people come into our churches, and I'm telling you, they're working on two cells up here. <laughs> These are the weak. Hey, 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 I'm, I, I'm glad I know there's people in our church that are good business people. They're educated people. They're well-to-do people. But I'll tell you, the majority, the majority of the people that come into our churches are weak what are we going to do with these folks? Talk to any pioneer pastor, man. They can fill a city with 2,000 plus flyers and five psychos show up. They know what it's like to preach to psychos. What are you going to do with them when they come into your church and they smell 
And they, they just start talking real loud while the pastor's preaching. I know y'all don't have that here in the great northwest, but down in south, man, the west side, they got them bad. No, 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 you got them too. The down and outs. We have to be willing to accept these folks. You know, folks, I, I'll tell you, God, God really humbled me. Because I pastored a church, man, that was filled with the weak. Filled with them. And I tell you, man, I, I love those people. They, you know, they, they, yeah, they had their issues. They had a lot of problems, man. But, boy, you know, you had their heart. You had their heart. I know some people, man, oh, I can't, oh, he can't be up here, man. Guy, you know, oh, you know, oh. his hair is all out of whack, man. You know, he's got piercings and tattoos. What do you can't, oh. Well, what kind of world do you think we're living in? What kind of world do you think we're trying to reach? You know, I'll tell you this story, and I know I'm taking a while tonight, but it's my last night, so it's okay. I'll never forget. You got to remember, man, my, my original pastor was Joe Moreno. Any of you who know Joe Moreno, man, he, 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 if I could put Joe Moreno's character like this, he's like, have you ever seen Charlie Brown? Snoopy. That's him. He's Snoopy. Always happy. Always can find the bright side of things. One time, I remember he and I were going to conference. And, you know, uh, Pastor Moreno likes to share rooms. I don't. So I said, you're getting your own room. I get my own. <laughs> and, so we, 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 and so he found somebody. They, 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 they put him in a room with an African pastor. And so this African pastor was there. And I remember one, one uh, afternoon he called me over to the room. Pastor Moreno did. It was an afternoon. So I went and knocked on the door. And you opened it up. And whoa. I mean, the body odor, man. Body odor filled that room. And I go, my gosh, man. And he goes, I know, man, it's the African brother. <laughs> well, you got to understand that in Africa, they don't, they don't have deodorant. They don't, they don't do that. They don't practice that. They have their own musk. <laughs> and so we're talking, and, and one night we're in the conference, and, and, and Pastor Moreno leans over to me, and he says, I'm going to get him to buy deodorant this week. Said, you can't do that. What are you going to tell him, man, man, you stink? You can't, you can't do that. He goes, I don't know, man, but I'll find a way. I'll find a way. And he does. Because I could never tell anybody, hey, bro, you know, you know, man. So one day there in there Walmart, during, there was during the conference, he, he took him down to Walmart. And he says, yeah, I got to pick up some stuff over here, pick up a toothbrush and toothpaste. And so they're there. And and, and when, hey. Look at this. And the African pastor is like, what? Who is it, pasta? Smell this. Oh, yeah, that smells real good. Goes, what is it? It's deodorant. <laughs> Look, and, and what do you do? Well, you, you put it under your arms, and it makes you smell really good. You, I'll buy you one. I'll buy me one, too. <laughs> he bought him one. By the end of the week, he's showing him how to use it. 
Conference went on. Folks, I'm not kidding, man. A couple of weeks later, he gets a letter in the mail from this pastor's wife. Thank you for teaching my husband about deodorant. But you know what, Dad? He, didn't, he, he saw a weak brother and says, let me help the guy. Let me help the guy. Listen, is there anybody coming to church that you could say, I could help this bro. I could give him a ride. Come on, man, let's just give him a ride. Oh, yeah, but he lives out, out, way out there. Ah, so what? We take rides all the way out there all the time. Let's buy him a meal. So what? Well, they're just, they need to get to work. I know they got to get to work, but they're not there yet. Help them. Show them how it works. Listen, folks, you know that there are families that come in here? They don't know how to be a family. They got people that have kids. They don't even know how to be parents. There's some ladies here. You could teach these young women how to be a mom, how to be a wife. There's some guys here. You could take a young man under your wing and teach, Mijo, you don't talk like that to a woman. But that's all they've ever seen. They don't know how to treat a woman. You teach them. You hold open the door, mijo. You say hi. You treat them right. Or otherwise, folks, we're going to be saying what I, sad to say, heard one time. What are those people doing back? I thought we were rid of them. You don't want to be that kind of church. Well, I better close. And I want to leave you with one more thought. Paul says in this text, you can't win them all. You can't win them all. He says here in verse 22, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save all. No, that I might save some. I am going to stretch out. I'm going to do whatever I can. What I'm going to do all that I can. But I know ultimately I can only save some. I'm not trying to save them all. That's why, folks, listen to me. If you've ever worked with somebody and they fell away, I'm not blaming you, and I don't believe God's blaming you. I know we make mistakes. I know we make blunders sometimes. But listen, you can't dwell on that. You have to pick up another convert and say, I'm going to learn from that last mistake because I'm going to win some. Can't win them all, but I can win some. You know, you're here in this area of the Northwest, you know, folks, you're going to go to Corpus. That's wonderful. You're going to be sending your pastor, I'm sure, to other nations to preach the gospel. You're going to be going yourselves on invasion teams. That's wonderful. But what about the folks on Tezel, the folks on Culebra, the folks in your neighborhood? You think God wants to save them? You better believe he does. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And he's saying, I need you to win them to yourself so, they, so that I can win them over. But Lord, I, I can't win them all. I know. But you can win some. If every person here were to bring somebody to this church, you'd be out of chairs. If every one of you just bring one person, just one, you'd have to put out more chairs. We're not going to win everybody in our city. I know that. But we can win some. And that's all Paul says. I just want to win some. While I'm here at this job, while I'm in the hospital, 
while I'm in this area with my mother having to be out of town, I can win some for Jesus. The story goes of an old man. He's walking down the beach. And this beach, because of the tide, how it came in, had washed thousands upon thousands of starfish on the shore. And as this old man is noticing all these starfish, he starts noticing a little boy down the way. And this little boy is picking up the starfish and throwing them back in the water. He, throws, he picks up another one, throws it back in the water. And this old man, in all his wisdom, comes and he says, boy, you're wasting your time. Look at the beach. It's filled with them. There's no way you're going to save all these starfish. There's no way you're going to make a difference in all their lives. What difference are you making to any one of them? The little boy at that moment was picking up another starfish, and he looked at it. He looked at the old man, and he says, makes a difference to this one. <laughs> Threw it away in the water. See, folks, there's going to be a lot of people that come and tell you, you can't build a church on this side of town. Ah, oh, churches have come and churches have gone. I know I've been serving the Lord in this fellowship for years. You're not going to make any difference. You can point to that one convert sitting next to you and say, makes a difference to him. That guy on the corner, that family in that horrible apartment complex, it makes a difference to them, and I'm going to go pick them up. Because I want to just win some to Jesus. I'd like every head bowed.